Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> I'm Eric with BearIndependent.com. This morning on the alternate channel, Blue Collar President, clearly because the main channel got a community guideline strike for something. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to be before I can live stream over there again. So if you just happened upon this video and you're like, hey, that's the bear guy, Subscribe to the alternate channel. This is why we have a pace plan, primary alternate contingency emergency. We're on the alternate this morning. Yesterday, uh, we did a live stream yesterday morning about the um, concept of extraordinary, extraordinary. And that, of course, got schwacked by the YouTube algorithmic robots. So I'm going to do my best to repeat this morning what we spoke about yesterday. If you're on Patreon, you have the written brief. Being frank, I don't know if we'll get to the written brief today or not, even though I I have it in front of me. Oofta. Daniel Harper, gotcha. Bear never got main channel notifications, but I got this one. Yes, sir. And to all of y'all who have been here for ever in a day for a hot minute, Thank you for the fact, in spite of YouTube shenanigans, we've somehow grown to almost 189,000 people at the main channel, in spite of YouTube, not because of YouTube. So I appreciate you very much. Now, I don't want to dwell on that, because if I dwell on that, I'm going to get pissed. And being pissed is going to be counterproductive to all the things that I have to do today in order to maintain the enterprise and uh, be the type of person that puts a smile on the father's face. So now, extraordinary, extraordinary. Let me see if I can do this concept justice a second time around. If you look at the word extraordinary, extraordinary is a compound word, extraordinary. And most people, to the extent that they even have extraordinary ambitions, and I would submit to you, surviving the end of the world as we know it is an extraordinary ambition. <laughs> being one of the few, being a part of the remnant, that's extraordinary. To say nothing of what your personal endeavors might be, to have an extraordinary family or an extraordinary relationship with your family or extraordinary businesses or just an extraordinary garden, Pick a thing, anything that you endeavor to accomplish with excellence. That thing, whatever it might be. If you want it to be extraordinary, don't be seduced by the concept of a magic wand or a silver bullet. That if I could just do this one thing, everything would change everything would be okay i would revolutionize my life i could 10x this business overnight just like that because that is not how life works that is not the system that the father put in place the instruction for this world that's not how things work it's a lot of hard work it's constant daily effort and discipline to push the project forward, to push the project forward, whatever it might be. And so if you look at the compound word extraordinary, it's extraordinary. 
you need to do extra of all the ordinary things. The little tiny things add up to greatness. There's a an entrepreneur by the name of Alex Hormozzi who talks about it's not a silver bullet, it's a hundred golden BBs. And each one of those little BBs or those little bullet points might increase your excellence in whatever it is you're endeavoring to do by 1%. But if you can itemize, draw out, make a list of those 100 golden BBs and execute on each one of those, you might get 1% better because, because of each one of those line items. But if you stack up that 1%, day over day, year over year, you begin to get a compound return on your investment. If you executed on one of those BBs per day in 100 days, you'd be 100% better. And so we have this concept of extraordinary, whatever it may be. I want to be an extraordinary prepper or an extraordinary dad or an extraordinary employee or business owner. It's not one big thing. It's 100 little things. And I shared with you all yesterday a story about my dad, which I will recap again here to give you a, a kind of a, a concept of where did I come from? My dad was an incredibly hardworking man. He was not perfect. He was far from it. And a lot of the things that I know about life are observations that I made about my father of what not to do. Not just what to do, but what not to do. But one of his better, most righteous characteristics was he was an incredibly hardworking man. Nobody could ever accuse that man of being lazy. He couldn't sit still. I wonder where I get it from. Conversely, my mom is the sweetest person on planet Earth. She has the biggest heart of anybody I've ever known. And she is a protector and a caretaker, which I think I also got from her, but I tend to hide that underneath this gruff armored exterior. But back to my dad, um, my dad ran away from home at the age of 15 and he lied about his age and went to work for a company called Harris McBurney splicing telephone cable. And back in the day, before we figured out how to stretch glass into thin fibers and shoot beams of light down those fibers, AKA fiber optic, of which my father was instrumental in developing that technology, it says something for a guy who never completed high school, who at one point was running the entire engineering department for Bell Atlantic, self-taught, bought a book, read a book, did the book, did the book is the most important part. He ran away from home at 15, started splicing for Harris McBurney, splicing copper telecom cable. And on a week before his 18th birthday, they found out that he was underage, and so they fired him. And then on his 18th birthday, they hired him back because he was the best damn cable splicer they had. And at the time, an eight-hour shift at the time, an eight-hour shift, uh, you were a good level of productivity with 600 pairs of wire per
or hours spliced. Splice means you, you in the telecom cable, you have twisted pairs of wire, 26 gauge, very small gauge wires that are wrapped, twisted together. And each pair of wire, your positive and your negative, is what makes that connection for the telephone to work on a copper cable. Well, you splice them together. You put a crimp connector on each wire and you just take a crimper and you click it and click it's spliced well the average productivity for a splicer at that time was 600 pairs of wire in an eight-hour period and my dad routinely did between 900 and a thousand pairs per eight-hour shift and that built a lot of animosity in between him and the other people he was working with because he was doing 50% more work than everybody else. And they were making him or he was making them look bad. His supervisor, direct supervisor, routinely accused him of falsifying his, his uh, reports on how much work he was getting done, which is maybe another thing that I inherited from my father. You can call me a lot of things, but don't call me a liar. And so his supervisor put him in a position one day where the only he could only get 600 pair spliced in an eight hour shift because there was a 3000 pair cable down in a manhole and there were only 600 pair left. And so my dad went down in the manhole He set up his little AM radio. He brought all of his stuff down into the manhole with him all of his splice connectors and everything he would need, his lunch bag, you know, thermos full of coffee, they started splicing. And he finished that 600 pair. And then at the time, these cables were insulated with lead. They'd have a sleeve, a splice sleeve that would go over the top. You'd heat up lead and pour lead, almost like soldering copper pipe pour lead over the sleeve and it would seal the whole thing up. That's called wiping up. And you would be allotted an eight-hour shift to close and wipe up a cable like that and to close the manhole. So he spliced a 600 pair. He wiped up the cable. He went down the road about a mile to the next manhole, opened the manhole, took his trash pump out, pumped all the water out of the manhole, opened up the cable, and spliced another 250 pair. So we got one shift in the 600 pair in the first manhole, a second shift for wiping up and closing the manhole, a third shift for opening the new manhole and opening the cable up. And then he got 250 pair, almost half a shift's worth of uh, splicing done in one eight hour shift. And the following morning, the uh, supervisor came out well, Sammy, how much you get last night? I got 850 pair. The supervisor said, see, I, I knew you were lying. You could only get 600 pair. I said, no, I got 600 pair in that hole. And I opened this hole and I got 250 pair in this hole. To which the guy replied, that's impossible. You're lying. Which pissed my dad off and they almost came to blows. And he said, get down in the hole and look. And the guy went down in the hole and he came out astonished. How did you get all that done? 
And the answer to that is extraordinary. My dad would prep every evening for the next day's work. He knew how many pair he had to splice, so he always had that many connectors plus some more. He would always make sure that there was fuel in the trash pump before he needed it. That all of his tools, I remember him, he would spray his tools down at the end of the day just with a light coat of WD-40. So everything was squared away. AM radio had fresh batteries in it, C-cells every day. Squared away, extraordinary. And so when he got on site to do his work, he did his work. Didn't go in and out of the manhole half a dozen times to go smoke a cigarette and get a cup of coffee across the street and maybe go talk to this guy. No, he worked. Extraordinary. So at the age of 18 years old, within eight months, he had he left Harris McBurney as an employee and became a contract splicer for Harris McBurney making 50% more as a contractor, providing his own truck and tools, and had eight other contract splicers working for him within eight months. By the time he was 21, he was on the construction side as well. He uh, got a Pittman Polecat corner mount digger truck, and it tells the T40C bucket truck, and went into construction not just splicing, but the construction as well. At the time, you couldn't get a Telsta T40C. They were six months waitlist to get one. But he had a dear friend who also had a telecom and power construction company who had two of them. So he got a case of Budweiser and went to see his friend Bruce. Spent the weekend at Bruce's house and somehow talked Bruce into what at the time was a $400,000 truck with a six-month waiting list. Why? Because of his reputation. He was extraordinary. And so Monday morning, he had a digger truck and a bucket truck, and he was in the construction business. And then took that to where I believe it was 11 states he was operating in with dozens of employees and dozens of trucks. And then and then got bored with the construction side of things and decided to just jump into the engineering side without a high school diploma. So he read every book he could find. Extraordinary. Then he started putting it into, into action. And when he got hired at... Bell Atlantic, which was the precursor to Verizon, his work output allowed them to reassign 140 other engineers in the engineering department because of his work output. I remember growing up, my dad had a drafting table in his office. Have you ever seen a drafting table? It looks like a table. It's tilted up. It's a large table probably about five foot high and up to eight feet long. And it has a rail that slides on rollers that you can use as a hand rest and for stencils to hand draw blueprints. And I remember growing up, my dad would let me take the stencils for lettering the blueprints, and he would let me letter all the annotations on his blueprints. He hand drew his blueprints, and they were perfect.
the first time. Did them in pen. Not pencil and then go over with pen. He did them in pen. They had to be perfect. Extra ordinary attention to detail. While he was at Bell Atlantic, there was a drafter in the engineering department who had gone to school for art. Turns out there's not a lot of jobs even then for artists. And so, well, if you have high visual acuity, what can I do? I guess I can draw blueprints. And this drafter in the engineering department was a gorgeous blonde who was my mom. And after six months of politely building rapport, they went out on a date and here I am. So I tell you that story of my dad because many times we want to accomplish extraordinary things and we don't realize the devil is in the details and the timeline is much longer than we think it should be. So if you want to accomplish extraordinary things, be diligent and faithful in the little things. This is biblical. He who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. If you can't be trusted with little, don't be surprised if you don't have much. You have to learn how to steward little first before you can steward much. It's the parable of the talents. If you can't steward one talent, that talent's going to be taken and given away to the guy who can steward 10 of them because he's a better manager, a better steward of that resource. So don't gloss over the little things because the little things, the ordinary things stack up to make an extraordinary life and give yourself some grace on the timeline because nothing enduring was built overnight. Very few enduring things were built in a year. It's often a decades long process of pushing and pushing and pushing to build the momentum to where whatever this thing is that you're building gains enough momentum that it starts rolling on its own. And then every time you push, you impart even more energy to this thing that's rolling and it picks up steam. It builds momentum. It's operating under its own power at this point. That doesn't happen overnight, whatever it may be, whether this is relationships with your spouse and your children, or it's you in the workplace, or it's you outside of the workplace, or it's you in your faith. It takes time to build something that's enduring. So manage your expectations on that. Give yourself a little bit of grace. <sighs> that by and large is what we talked about yesterday morning with uh, extra ordinary. And typically that would probably be something that would be like a CEO bear video. But I felt compelled to share it yesterday morning. And then after yesterday morning got taken down, I felt further compelled to share it again this morning. Because as James is saying in the comments, I needed this one today. Yeah. Coal miner's daughter, Shalom, cuz. I bet your dad's work truck was always stocked and organized. Yes. I remember growing up, if my dad needed a thing, 
a roll of electrical tape. Go to my truck. I always had uh, work trucks, you know, tool bodies on them. Go to my, my truck, driver's side, middle bin, bottom left. You'll find a stack of electrical tape. And he knew where everything was on the truck. You need um, a 36-inch pair of bypass cable cutters. Passenger side, back tool bin, standing up in the tool bin are the bypass cutters. Go get them. And he had it mapped out on his brain perfectly. It's part of why, as a young man, he and I were at odds so often was because, um, and I get it now, being a a not-so-young man anymore. His stuff was squared away, mise en place, a place for everything and everything in its place. I'd be like, you know, as a nine-year-old boy, I need a pair of line pliers. I know where there's line pliers. Go to dad's truck, open the bin, get his line pliers, leave the bin laid open, you know, the door to the bin laid open. I'd be cutting twigs or something with his Klein line pliers. And then a friend would come over and I'd just go running away and leave his line pliers laying in the front yard. Yeah, unacceptable. I had to learn that lesson many a time. So, but there's also something to that, you know, extraordinary. Take a half an hour and organize your truck. Not on the clock, after. And then the next time you need something, you know exactly where it is. I mean, I do this regularly with my truck. I do a reset after every grindstone deployment. Come back, pull everything out that doesn't typically live on the truck go through every tool bin and make sure everything's where it's supposed to be and inventory while I'm doing that. Oh, I need more chainsaw files. I need more fuel. I need this, that, and the third. Oh yeah. I need more electrical tape. I'm out of caution tape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And restock replenish so that the next time I need it, it's not like, damn, what I had insert thing here. Well, now it's mission critical. I don't have it. So The written brief is on Patreon today, which I would um, assume most of y'all are from Patreon this morning because I did share this link over to there. Um, So I'm not going to do the written brief this morning. I don't feel compelled to, but you can read it while you're on Patreon. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a recap about uh whiskey with bear it was a really good event we raised some money for caleb house we got to meet some really good people and uh some lessons learned after action report on that for the next one whenever that will be save the date for the ruckus which is march 8th through 10th 2024 in fort smith arkansas march 8th through 10th Fort Smith, Arkansas. The Ruckus is a three-day event to raise awareness and funds for anti-human trafficking in Caleb House. We will be rucking through downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. More details to come. Friday, we will have presenters, speakers, vendors, live entertainment. Uh, Saturday, we will do Shabbat. All, All are welcome. We already have the convention center booked, so we'll just meet in the convention center and have a giant midrash, read the Bible, kick it around, hang out, fellowship, eat some food. And Sunday morning, we rock. We rock through downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. 
details will be forthcoming. Uh, but in the meanwhile, if you want to participate that, whether as a vendor or an entertainer or a speaker or a rucker, save the date, March 8th through 10th, 2024. It is, to our knowledge, the only live event in the history of the world ever to raise awareness for anti-human trafficking and to raise funds for anti-human trafficking. So if you want to participate in that, March 8th through 10th, 2024. I've also been asked by the kiddos at refugemedical.com to let you know about this. This is the summer fun giveaway. Every order over $89 gets you automatically entered to win a one-year pass to Six Flags, four of them, a Yeti cooler, two boo-boo kits, two hydration kits, and a family tourniquet pack. So if you've been shopping at Refuge Medical, uh, you've been automatically entered. If you haven't been and you'd like to be, any order over 89 bucks. And again, that's uh, four-year passes to Six Flags, any Six Flags in the country, a brand new Yeti cooler, two boo-boo kits, which are these from Refuge Medical, two boo-boo kits, two hydration kits, which are Nalgene bottles with oral rehydration salts and uh, Jocko uh, in them, and um, a family tourniquet pack, which is cats, soft tees, SWAT tees, two of each. Um, Golden Homestead, is the rucksack during the ruck optional for the kiddos or should they have their own little rucks? It, your children don't need to carry rucksacks. There will be four different weight categories. So um, if they're carrying nothing or very little, they'll fall into the lowest weight category. No problem there. Also, I told the patrons about this yesterday, but at Refuge Medical, there are a handful of OD Green Bear Facts and Bear Mins and adventure kits left. Yes, these are coyote tan. When the OD is gone, it's gone. And because when it's gone, it's gone, it is 20% off. So if you'd like 20% off an OD green bear fact or bare minimum, refugemedical.com. That's all I got today, y'all. Save the date for the ruckus. Um, Appreciate you being here on the alternate channel. We'll see what happens with the main is what it is. I'm uh, in prayer over this to accept whatever may be with grace and stoicism and not let it ruin my day or my life. So primary alternate contingency emergency. We're here now. We're at least on the alternate. So as always, please share the show with somebody you love. I hope that uh, the story of extraordinary helps you as you go about your life today. Don't neglect the little things. My brother Saul likes to say, value your valuables. Yeah. What little things might you be neglecting? How tall are they? What are their names? Yeah. You want an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary life? Do the ordinary things well, repeatedly, day in, day out, without compromise. I hope you all have a blessed day. Shalom.